Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Ghost, our hearts inspire. Fill us with thy holy fire. Amen. We read from Luke 24 today, verses 44 through the end. This is Ascension Sunday, a Sunday when we remember what happened after the resurrection of Jesus, 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Let's, let's hear what, uh, what we find in Luke 24. Let us hear the word of God. Then Jesus said to them, the disciples, he had been with them teaching and guiding them and showing them some things. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms or the writings must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. The word of God for the people of God, and so we say, Thanks be to God. Have any of y'all been interested in genealogy? Raise a hand if you've studied genealogy. Some, some do. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to, to get into. Family trees, history, story, family stories. You can, right now, you can even send off your DNA to 23andMe and see where your roots really are. You can find out all sorts of things if you send off to 23andMe. My daddy and I got interested in genealogy a while back, several years back. Family legend has always told us that we are uh, proud English and Irish poor folks. That's what the family legend has always, that's who we have been, English and Irish poor folks. And we have owned that for many generations. But daddy and I discovered that's not exactly true. We got to look in and found something else, something beyond that. We're actually German on multiple fronts within the family, multiple sides. of the, We're all German, almost all German. We can even claim a German count 
from the 1600s. Can you imagine a German count, von Schiele? That's how they spelled it back then. That was our, our ancestor, von Schiele, Count von Schiele. For some reason, this was a, a major personal epiphany for me. I was really taken. I just thought about it for days and days. I felt caught up in this new revelation about our family history and heritage. We even found a picture, a painting of that count, and I couldn't help but think I looked just like that count. We have a family resemblance there with the Count von Schiele. I finally, after a while, I said to Shannon, I just was, I was sitting around thinking about this. I said, Shannon, that's my wife, Shannon, this explains so much about me. Why I am so focused on precision and timeliness. This explains everything. I am a German engineer royalty. That's what I am. She looked at me and said, uh, okay, Count Mercedes, <laughs> riddle me this. Why can't you put your dirty clothes in the hamper with precision and timeliness? I said, well, that's the Irish potato famine in me. I'm in fight or flight all the time. That's just, that's how I don't have time to do that. I really would like to do that 23andMe thing. I really, really want to do that. But my daddy is pretty sure somebody in our family is going to jail if any of us does 23andMe. So we, he has forbidden us from doing that. So not, none of us has done 23andMe. When you're 42, you learn to listen to your daddy. You don't have to understand why. I don't want to know why, but you just listen to whatever he has to say. Genealogy is an exercise in self-understanding. You, you find foundational moments. You uncover foundational moments which shape a family into who they are today. After 18 years of ministry, I have learned to recognize some of these moments and how they play out across multiple generations in the families in our churches too, especially the traumatic foundational moments. You can see how they affect the parents, the children, the grandchildren, even the great-grandchildren. Something really good that happens can have a positive effect. Something really negative can have tremendous effects through the generations. I also understand the confusion and the drifting which come when either you forget your story or you just don't know. You just never have known your story. The ascension of Jesus is one foundational moment in the life of the Christian church, and yet we've kind of forgotten it, to be honest. Casey and I were just talking about we've kind of forgotten the ascension of Jesus. We don't talk about it very much. It has a special day, same as Easter and Pentecost, but we usually just kind of throw a tired post-Mother's Day sermon at it and hope for the best. I think the preachers are also thinking about summer vacation too, just like the rest of y'all. And so that's all we got is a tired post-Mother's Day sermon for Ascension. We just throw that out and see what happens. We forget about Ascension Sunday, and now we're sometimes drifting and confused, forgetting a very foundational piece of our story. In Luke's account, Easter Jesus raised from the dead busily appears to his disciples, surprising, blessing, teaching them. Luke, Luke is very clear. Jesus is not a ghost. His post-resurrection body is real. He can eat and drink. They touch him. He touches them. Remember Epigenosco from a few weeks ago. The disciples knew exactly, that's that Greek word, knew exactly who this was. This was Jesus raised from the dead. They didn't have any doubt about who they were seeing in their midst on these multiple occasions. Jesus' reunion with his disciples comes on the heels of three days of intense grief and disappointment. Can you feel 
the excitement, the love, the hope, the joy trembling in their hearts as they spend this extra time with Jesus. We don't know exactly how many days passed between verse 43 and 44. Since the fourth century, the church has called it 40 days, which makes good sense for a lot of reasons. This foundational moment at Bethany on the east side of the Mount of Olives, it crowns the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus says to his disciples on their way to Bethany, I told y'all all of this while I was still with you, but I want to tell it again how everything in the law of Moses, the writings, the prophets must be fulfilled. This is the only place in the New Testament where anybody refers to the whole of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, as specifically as this. Jesus catches all the whole Old Testament in these prophets' law and the writings or the Psalms. Luke goes on to say, Jesus opens their minds to understand the Scriptures. I can't help but imagine Jesus popping their heads open and just pouring in understanding and wisdom that the whole of what they know as the Scriptures were pointing to fulfillment in Jesus. We can look back and see all of this. It makes good sense to us, but they were living in the moment. Can you imagine getting all of this together in the moment? They were understanding things that, truth be told, we still struggle to get our minds around. Jesus continues, the Scriptures said this would happen exactly. The Messiah will suffer, die, and rise from the dead on the third day. They look back and say, the disciples say, oh, yeah, they do say that exactly. That's what they say. We see it now. 2,000 years later, we Christians are flipping back through the family stories, wondering why we are the way we are, why we believe what we believe, why we so stubbornly hang on to hope in the face of despair and life in the midst of death. Right here it is. Our foremothers and our forefathers lived this with Jesus firsthand. God really does bring life out of death. Jesus really is the fulfillment of God's plan to save and bless all the families of the earth, not just some. Luke reminds us, this is not a fairy tale. This really happened. It is the truth. This foundational moment in the life of our family has something to teach us still today. Then comes our three-part commission, verses 47, 48, 49. Verse 48, what is to be our way of life. It is to tell the story of Jesus in all the world because we are his witnesses. We have a tremendous responsibility because of what we have seen and heard about Jesus. What is the message within that story? That's verse 47. Repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus to all people. Why does that even matter? Well, to this day, People are still hoping that there might actually be a better way than the hamster wheel of death, which passes for life in our culture. Through Jesus, we really can turn away from that and turn to the Jesus way, where we learn that life and love become streams of living water gushing up to life when we give them away to others in the name of Jesus. That is repentance. That's what that's about. And then forgiveness of sins. My goodness, even though we pretend like we don't care, not a one of us, not a single one of us is unafflicted by our own guilt and shame. 
not a one of us is powerful enough to overcome our baser instincts of selfishness, hate, and greed. In Jesus, the whole world is invited to know the forgiveness which shatters the chains of our enslavement to self. We find ourselves free to embrace the beauty of God's love, which would like to spread across the face of the whole earth, making every human heart whole and holy. That is our message. That is the core of our identity. My goodness, what would it be to live like this, to live this way? How will we do that? That's verse 49, through the power of God. That's how we'll live this way, through the power of God, which has already come to us in the Holy Spirit. We marvel at our ancestors who lived this, and we can't help but wonder, if they saw a picture, a painting of us, would they recognize us in the ways which we live our faith? Would they recognize themselves in the ways which we live our faith every day? Faith and life, life and faith, that's always the struggle, isn't it? How do they weave together in a way that might be considered good so that we can bless God so that we can bless the whole world. Jesus stretches his nail-scarred hands over us, and he blesses us. Then he is carried up into the heavens. It is a strange, strange scene. The disciples know what to do. They worship and rejoice. They bless God continually. But I wonder, I wonder if we all don't miss something very important in the excitement of this moment Does not Jesus carry with him our restored humanity together with his divinity, joined together in a beautiful whole, ascending now into the presence of God? Can't you see Jesus, fully human, fully God, taking hands with our Creator, with God the Holy Spirit, the oneness of God, so glad to finally embrace the restored humanity of us all, There we are now, there we are with Jesus, in Jesus, looking like Jesus, caught up in the heart of God to prove that God really does love all of us and the whole world. God sends back the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, come to dwell in the heart of every believer, faith and life, life and faith, woven together now in the way God always intended It is something I have come to understand. It is a reality, a family heritage that we relax into rather than something that we grasp and grab and try to earn. Why does all this matter these 40 days after Easter? Well, if you've ever felt lost and adrift in a sea of questions and struggle and suffering and selfishness and pain, these holy moments rebuild our faith and our life on the solid rock of God's love revealed to us and the whole world by what God has done in Jesus. We discover we really are God's beloved children taken up into God's heart, made whole and holy with God's love, and then turned loose on the world to share that love with everybody. It seems like that ought to be a major personal epiphany for every one of us, shaping how we live every day. The question is, is it shaping your life? Is it shaping mine? I hope it is. In the name of the Father, 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.